Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 94 of Cage Rage and Nicholas Cage Podcast. It's the show, the podcast in which I, your humble host and guy, Daryl Edge, take you, dear listener, on the journey to true Cage Nirvana. And what is that, you may ask? Well, it is only the simplest, most purest, most ethereal, most humble, most invigorating, most mentally rewarding, most sexually enacting form of being one can achieve. And how do you achieve it, you may ask? Well, it's very simple. All we have to do is we're going to watch every movie, the greatest actor of our generation, the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood, Nicolas Cage, has ever been in. And we continue with episode 94. We're looking at Primal from 2019, and this week I am joined by the returning, the four-timer, Ben Shannon, who's going to talk all about Primal this week. He's uh, guested before on such hit episodes as Gone in 60 Seconds and Ghost Rider 1 and 2, and now here we are doing it all over again. It's a delightful episode, we're talking about blow-darting chimps, we're talking about a 90s version of this movie and what that would look like. We discuss Ben's two times viewing habits, and he faces me with an international cage quiz. Uh, It's very, very fun, as always, always a bloody delight and pleasure to have Ben on. You always know you're in for a good episode when Ben is here, and you're going to... Have a good old time. If you do listen to the episode, if you enjoy the episode as ever, be sure to let me know. Reach out on the usual socials. Links in the description down below. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, and uh, get involved, get in touch. We'd lovely to have you come aboard this journey to True Cage Nirvana. So without further ado, let's get right into it. It's episode 94. It's Primal. Damage. Venture. Enjoy. Duh. This week, it's time to talk all about the penultimate film of Cage's 2019, Primal. Here, Cage stars as Frank Walsh, a big game hunter thrown into chaos when an assassin releases his captured deadly animals aboard a journeying freighter. Returning on the journey to True Cage Nirvana this week to see if Primal is in the prime of its life or just makes us want to... Primal is comedian, rice reviewer, and exotic Pokemon wrangler Ben Shannon. Ben, welcome back for the fourth time. He's breaking new ground. How are you doing? I'm a groundbreaker. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for Primal. I've got to be honest. I was thinking <laughs> of all the puns that could happen with Primal. Prime of your life, yeah. It's Primal. God. Um. I'm well. Um. Yeah. I'm ready. For, I'm ready for round four. It's going to be a little bit different. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but I'm ready. It's a little bit different. I mean, you make history being the uh, the fourth timer 
the four, mm. four the first four timer um, yeah. on the podcast. We've started. We've gone in sixty seconds. We've moved to two Ghost Riders, mm-hmm. um, and now, obviously, you know, in, in gone in sixty seconds, there was cars. There was another form of transportation in Ghost Rider one or two bikes. Yes, yes, and bikes. Now this yeah. one, we've gone from land to flaming bike to sea. Mm, the natural um, transition. And that's about as tentative as a link I can find between... Well, between these films, other than St. Nicholas being in them. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, this also <laughs> is the first of the films that I hadn't either heard of or seen before you said, um, Ben, let's talk. So I went into this... Uh, what's the word? I went into this, not naked, but Blind. ready... Blind, blind works. I, I, blind, but the thing is, blind implies I didn't know it would be a classic Nicolas Cage romp. Romp's probably not the right phrase. <laughs> um, he doesn't kiss the cat at any point. I don't think we describe films as romps nearly enough anymore. No, it's not, is it? But maybe that's because, I guess, with the whole, it's quite philosophical, quite early, but with all the, you know, Marvel films and your Michael Bay's and stuff, explosions, ex- explosions of the car are now a lot more valued than explosions of the heart. <laughs> what a beautiful, Something to think about. What a beautiful arc in the first five minutes. Mm. <laughs> Bring in the thunder this time. I've just seen that the one plant I'm in charge of needs watering, and um, yeah, I've got to got to do that later. Didn't see that on balcony cam earlier, did we? We didn't see that on balcony cam, and I suppose it's important for the people keeping track that um, I think you were you might have been in Spain last time, but you're in Germany now. No, I was in Germany last time for first Ghost Rider. I don't remember. Um, I'm here now. That's the main. Yeah, I'm still in Germany. I'm going to the UK. Who knows? For number five, Nick Cage still makes films. Um, and if I'm still alive, if you're still alive, if we're all still alive, then uh, I might be in the UK if we if we record another one. But yeah, at the minute in Germany, cat on my lap. That looks like the cat out of um, the film we're talking about. <laughs> what a, what an appearance that was from her as well. Very strong. And uh, and yeah, ready to. Ready to um, set sail. And sets, and for the listener, he is smirking when he says mm. that. Mm. Um, because of the boat link. <laughs> and, and set sail we will on 2019's Primal. Now, this was a first-time watch for me. Um, this was one of the few later Cage films that I was vaguely aware of in terms of kind of what happens um, and as you said, you've, you've gone in naked and blind, like a newborn babe into this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you know the drill with these podcasts, and we'll break it down as we go along. But um, after you eventually found this on German Netflix, and the credits were rolling, as those credits were rolling, what were your what were your sort of brief thoughts about what you'd just watched? Um, I was pleasantly surprised, Daryl, and dear listener, I actually really enjoyed said movie film. And as you say, I, try, I was trying to find it on the Amazon, on the, all the ways basically to not have to pay three euros to rent the film for 24 hours. A simple search on Ecosia, your friend and mine, um, led me along to the German Netflix where it went, Ben, it was released today. Pop it on, have a watch. And, uh, and I did. I watched it on my phone for the first half which is how the Lord Nicholas intended it. And then, uh, and then I watched the rest of it on my iPad. And hey, good film. I liked it. Did you find it on the Netflix as well in the end? Or how is it in the UK? 
Um, it, I think it definitely used to be on Prime UK. It's not anymore, so I've had to uh, uh, shin up three forty nine, which I desperately need for gas bills these days. Yeah, but well, that's bloody topical, isn't it? Yeah, Putin. Um, I think this film was worth at least three pounds forty nine, though. If that's controversial, cancel me. But <laughs> I think it was worth at least three pound forty nine, and that should be on the posters. <laughs> and you know what? By the time I'd finished the film as well, I was like, you know what, this is this is all right, that that was all right. I mean, the, at this point as well, um, certainly by 2019 at the end of, we're coming pretty much to the end of his straight-to-video romp, if you will. Which is <laughs> yeah, yeah. His life's one big romp. <laughs> Life is a romper coaster, just got to romp it, as uh, mm. Romp and Keaton once said. Yeah. Um, Dominated much of the 2010s of straight to DVD, so I think I'd been a bit, um, uh, I think indoctrinated is not the right word, but uh, <laughs> it, it is a call. Claimed this, you. He has claimed me. A lot of this stuff was kind of very, um, the, the seeds of good films were in there, but, um, you know, smaller budgets, there's always going to be some top brass interference and things are going to get changed and chopped while shooting. I don't go into these films expecting much, um, but this one, I think if we're talking purely about the straight-to-video cage films, uh, this one is up there as quite quite a pleasantly surprising film. Not perfect, but I had a good time with it in the 90s. I mean, I didn't, I didn't realise it went straight to the systems, the streaming systems, to be honest. I thought it would have been in the cinema. I'm interested to know what you think would have improved it, because I honestly thought it was, it was probably better than The Ghost Riders. Um, I'm not just saying that because there was a cat in it, but it helped. What do you think could actually have made this, what could have made this, um, how to put this, a film that people would leave the house to see? <laughs> it's a good question. And um, and now the viewer becomes the viewee. The tables have turned on me. Um, I think from the trailers and the way this film was kind of, uh, promoted, it kind of seemed a bit more like it was going to be Cage versus Wild Animals. Um, right, okay. And I know in a lot of this, it's just him blow-darting chimps. <laughs> what more do you want, Daryl? I, I, I love the blow-darting chimp scenes. Um, and again, we'll get into it, but there was a lot of moments in this film, intentionally or otherwise, that I laughed out loud at. Um <laughs> I think a lot of it just became very absurd. Um, well, if we're just staying on that absurd tangent, um, firstly, I, I don't really watch trailers, especially with films like this. <laughs> I don't really watch films. I have my eyes closed for the entire film, but no, I don't watch trailers. So I didn't know about that going into it, but I could see how they could splice it so that it looked like it's cage versus cat. I get that. Um, but going to the scenes that I think will have made you laugh and stuff. Now, I think I, I might have spoken to you um, before about this, but I consume a lot of my media at a faster speed than you're supposed to. So Netflix, you got your 1.5x, right? Right. That's for pussies, but it's the only <laughs> option on Netflix. I'm a 2x man on your podcasts, on your YouTube, on all the stuff. Um, now, the scene where the chef, spoilers, where the chef um, gets his skin peeled from his face by several of the mother monkeys, <laughs> in 1.5x speed, you will wet yourself. Um and the fact I was watching that on an iPhone 13 screen as well, so it's quite small, was just... 
Like, imagine if I died then and the police found my phone and were like, what was this guy watching at 1.5x speed? <laughs> that is that is something. Was that one of the scenes that made you do a little wee? Oh, absolutely. There's um, a confirmed piss patch on the old boxers, let me put it that way. I didn't realise you were uh, um, you were living in a different time speed. Um, yeah, you were oh yeah. Point- I didn't realise you were a 1.5er. Well, I mean, I, if I can, I'm a 2xer. I go as fast as they'll technologically allow me. Um, I've entered the time. I've entered the time stream. What's it called? In, I haven't got around to watching the um, the 12 hour long Zack Snyder version of it. But um, Barry, what's his tits? Jumps into the the. Is it just? Is it called the time stream or what's it called in that? Uh, I forget. The speed Force. The Speed Force. That's it. Yeah, Speed Force. More like. Um, uh, slow, boring force. That's what I say. So, <laughs> it, yeah. And the thing is, I've read upon because I am a nerd. I've read upon several studies about like what it does to your brain and stuff like that. And um, there are certain people that believe it means that basically, when you're talking to someone, if you consume a lot of media faster than you should, you're essentially not listening to some of the words, and your brain is basically going boring, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, in itself, find very funny. Um, are you sure you've not been looking at um, studies on ADHD? Because it sounds like... I mean, look, sometimes <laughs> when you're reading studies, you have the studies on 2x speed as well. <laughs> I love the idea that you've, you've just gone into a cinema and you, you said, um, oh, how, how long is this film? 90 minutes. I'll do it in 45. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I basically just... I'm actually up there with the uh, projector. That's the word. And I'm... I'm there with like a pen, sticking it in and just making the scenes go faster. <laughs> You're just wheeling it faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to see this opening. Although, talking about opening scenes, um, I feel like they don't really do that anymore. You know, when the, when this film opened and he's driving through in his truck and they've got the credits playing and the music playing, that's not something they've really done for a while in cinema, is it? You don't get a lot of them. A lot of times you just kind of like straight in or you get the credits at the end now. And um... It used to be all the range with like your Bonds and stuff. They used to do all the, here's three minutes. You know? <laughs> credits, they used to be all the rage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now maybe maybe they've been doing it, but I've been going too fast and I missed the credits at the start of all the films. I don't know. <laughs> I just, there's an opening credit and you're just with a mouthful of popcorn screaming boring. <laughs> yeah, I even eat the popcorn in 2x speed. I just I just instantly shit it out. That's interesting. To, I guess to go back to our previous episodes as well, did you watch Gone in 60 Seconds and the two Ghost Riders in double speed as well? I don't think I would have, but I like the idea that Gone in 60 Seconds then becomes half a minute of, can we get into this car? Probably not. <laughs> Gone in um, 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, well done on the maths. And Ghost Rider <laughs> is just kind of like, oh, done. Um, I don't do it with everything. Like, if you watch stuff on the BBC iPlayer, they don't have a um, a faster speed function because I imagine the vast majority of people that use the, the BBC iPlayer would um, die of a heart attack if they watched anything <laughs> on faster than normal speed. Or, it must be torturous for you watching EastEnders in one speed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, torturous watching EastEnders in any speed, I imagine. But um, <laughs> the, the beloved Gone Fishing with Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse, I wouldn't want to watch that any faster anyway. Um Although it would be quite funny to see Mortimer fall over faster, or in slow motion, <laughs> indeed. No, that would really make something. But, uh, yeah, I can't think of, of any other ones that ban you from... It. I guess it's one of those things now with technology where you... It's like we were talking about just before we started about a series I'm watching at the minute. Um, the idea that you can now watch five series, if you really want to, in a row. 
and I watched that in 1.5x speed. But the idea of having to wait a week to see another episode, we're so spoiled now that we yeah. can just watch it straight away. That the idea of any streaming channel going, yeah, you have to watch this in the speed that the director intended it. I almost get annoyed at them. <laughs> how dare you <laughs> present me with your vision? <laughs> exactly. What do you mean this is how you wanted me to see it? I don't care, you know. I think that's a really endamming um, view on society. But also, we're fucked anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a damning indictment on society, but a really glowing review (laughs) for the Speed Force. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Speed Force, five stars. And it actually reads like a four-star as well, which is even more indicting of it. But it's true, yeah. I mean, I think I had another point I wanted to make, but I've forgotten it instantly. (laughs) Uh, well, we talked about the uh, the opening credits, and I suppose just before that as well, it's um, a bit of an, an intriguing opening of uh, Cage's character sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, cigar in hand, he's eating a tin of nuts, he's reading a real estate magazine. He's got a little bit of a belly on him. He's got a little belly. He's got a, a little belly, yeah. He's a man of the people, he's our, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's our Frank. And there's... I think in the first few minutes, there's like a lot of stuff going on here. We're getting an idea of, um, I think he calls it a blind. He's hanging out in these trees, a blind that he's made. Um, he's been, he's got his tranquilizer gun ready. Th- we don't get enough tranquilizer guns in cinema. I think we, no. need, I think we need more of them. Um, and it's all lasers now, isn't it? It's all lasers, pew pew pew, uh, explosions. It's uh, <laughs> Will Smith coming for all of us these days. Yeah, if only he had a laser. If only he had a laser, um, a laser, a laser-focused trank gun. But he's he's hunting um, the rare white jaguar, um, which is um, very much a CG jaguar. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not. A, it's not. They're not going to get a real white jaguar to be like. Look, do you want to go in this? Straight to DVD film with Nicolas Cage and the Jags like, well, I'm booked up, Vegas. <laughs> the Jaguar said, I'm going to have to get you to speak to my agent yeah. about whiting me up for this role. <laughs> um, Again. But the, the Jaguar is described as gorgeous. Um, and we, we get a bit of a, a, bit of a, a Frank versus Jag fight. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it, the Frank versus Jag fight. The Jag's jumping up, clawing at his shins. Frank falls about twenty feet into a ditch. Um, still comes out on top. Did uh, Did you enjoy our introduction to what we uh, what we soon become known as a uh, the ghost cat of a yeah? I, a I thought it was I thought it was a really refreshing way that that it opened. Um, like you said, the real estate paper. I found that super funny. The fact that it just says real estate on it in big letters. Um, <laughs> Because we're dum-dums and we need to see the props that are that big. It gave me a real feel of, when he was doing it, I was like, yeah, this is exactly how when I feed my cats, this is how it happens. Um, <laughs> when I'm up there 10 anyway. feet above them, reading real yeah, estate cool. magazines. Yeah, exactly. With my little tranquilizer gun, just in case they start kicking off. Um, but I like, the, the thing I liked the most about it was the fact that when shortly after that, he takes the ghost cat, the ghost <laughs> cat back to... Um, <laughs> back to the the tribe, the village, whatever it is, and he's got all his animals there. It then right credits and we're on the boat, basically. And what I thought it would have been really easy for them to do, but maybe not because it would have been a lot on the budget, is like show him catching all these animals. But we don't need to see that, you know? We just need to know that he has caught these animals, why he's caught these animals. And as you say, the the main 
animal, the ghost cat, is the only one really we need to see him have a bit of a backstory with. Yeah, so we sort of learn later on that he is a big game hunter, but he he hunts for himself. He doesn't kill, and he sells them to zoos. Um, mm. And there's there's the potential of a tidy one mil in USD US dollars to you and I. Million this. dicks. <laughs> one hundred million dicks. Um, I think he's he's also caught, as we know, various monkeys. Um, got some exotic birds. There's some tapirs in there. Some snakes, and we don't we don't get the prices of those. I think they are collectively short change. I think this is this is your rare, I guess, in Pokemon terms to make it relatable. Um, th- this is your first edition rare Charizard, I guess. Mm, yeah, in a way, but this seems this seems even rarer than a, than a first edition Charizard. Like, granted, they're going to be worth a lot of money, but they were printed and stuff. This seems like a misprint. Having a, um, oh. not to get too nerd technical on you, but having a white Jaguar, I mean, I don't know how it works in the real world, but white Jaguars, they seem pretty rare. Um, he had like quite a nice camaraderie, I thought, with the cat, as well as the film progressed. Like, as I say, you don't really see him catch these other animals, but you can, you really kind of feel that he cares about them. Um, and then he obviously develops a bit of a backstory with the the parrot as well, which I quite liked. I instantly want to see him in other films with that parrot. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the parrot is called. Um, or referred to as Einstein. In Einstein, this. yeah. Einstein the parrot said he made the mistake of feeding it, and now he's kind of stuck with it. But the parrot, as parrots often do, um, uh, he's racist. Like, he's very racist. Um, he just all of his lines are bleeped. Um, <laughs> all of his lines are bleeped. <laughs> I'm now imagining um, Aladdin, but the parrot in that is like horrifically racist. <laughs> <laughs> The first cancelled parrot in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but this parrot, he does. He puts his little wings up and he goes, bottom up, bottom up, when he sees a gun, because he doesn't like guns. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a, <laughs> a recovering bank robber. Yeah. Um, traumatised by the sight of guns. Um, but the parrot kind of just... It's it's almost as if, like, in the filming, and I saw that this was sort of filmed in a straight 25-day period... It's I thought you were going to say 25 hours then. <laughs> Incredible scenes. Um, I like to imagine that the parrot was just a t- very, very difficult to work with because you only see him in shots on like a high angle on a corner of a cage on, on, a, on a crate mm. or something. Um, it, it's almost as if in the parrot's contract, he's like, I will never film a scene with another human at their height. <laughs> I always have to be propped higher. I mean, I don't know. I know with, they always say never work with children or animals, don't they? Um, or parrots at the same height. Like, I don't know if you've got to specifically feed them in a certain way, or you have like dog doubles on some shows and stuff. So, not for parrots, but I just mean sometimes it isn't just one parrot, is it? There's like seven parrots, even though there's only one shown. Um, I don't know the logistics of filming with a parrot, Daryl. You might be absolutely correct. I like to imagine that was maybe there was like um, you know you can get those fancy dress parrot costumes and it's just like a person's face coming out of where the beak should be. I like to mm. imagine there was a body double just for um, for the eyelines, <laughs> for the eyelines for the long shots, <laughs> um, doing the the parrot stunts. I suppose as well there were uh, not Einstein. There were three other parrots that get <laughs> that get shot in the face. That got me quite hard because I was like. 
at that scene, I was thinking, yeah, he's probably going to kill some animals or, or like threaten to kill the animals, but he's going to stop them. And then when he shot one bird, it's like, all right, mate, he gets it. You've shot a bird. And then he's like, nah, do you know what? More like, <laughs> just can't stop himself. Can he? Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it was an interesting, I, I suppose they introduced this quite early. Cause I guess you think, or at least I thought as they were going into it, he's caught the white jag. He's getting them all on the freighter. And then, I think before I'd sort of read the blurb of this film, I was kind of thinking that the direction it was going to go is that it's going to be Cage and people on this ship and then the animals are going to get loose. It's going to mm. kind of be an almost kind of, maybe not full-out horror kind of thing, but a kind of like action-y, thriller-y with um, yeah. jaguars and killer parrots and venomous snakes. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch the killer parrot film. That's a, that's a niche waiting to happen, I think. And I think it will happen. Mm. Um but then it's they introduce um, Kevin Durand as uh, the <laughs> political assassin Richard Loeffler, who's escorted by U.S. Marshals. Um, and, then he, and then I was kind of thinking there was going to be almost like two conflicting plot lines. Cage is trying to hunt animals whilst the Marshals are trying to hunt this guy. Um, but it, it kind of intermixed... Quite seamlessly, considering it's it was two, really nice, yeah, yeah, two incredibly different plot lines mm. that sort of come together. Um, when you're watching this, and then suddenly, um, Richard Loffley he's got his shackles on, the marshals are all out, and he's going, Hey, baby, we should play a shuffleboard, ha ha ha. Um, and that is introduced. Uh, what were you sort of thinking? Where was your um, your idea of where this film was going to go at? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, where did my allegiance lie? Like, yeah, I, I actually really wanted him to get out. I really related to him. No, um, I thought he was a really good villain, actually. And I thought he played the part quite well. Um, I liked the idea that, as you say, it interwove quite nicely the two plot lines. Because in theory, they're, like, they're both hunting things, X, Y, and Z. When he actually lets the animals out, I mean, you haven't really... If What's the character's name again, the bad guy? Uh, Richard, Richard Loffler. Okay, if, if Lothers doesn't let the animals out, then you haven't really got a reason for Nick Cage's character, Frank, to be doing anything on the ship. So I guess he has to, you know, let the animals out. Um, but I thought the scenes that they had together were, were really good, quite refreshing. Um, and the way that villain interacted with almost all the characters was, it didn't feel like anything was shoehorned in or forced. I was, I think that's the big thing where I was so taken aback because you often expect it to be I mean don't get me wrong there was some awful acting in this but um, but that's that parrot prick we were talking about but I think some of the humans did a really good job you know I think um, a, a pretty decent cast throughout like again I thought Kevin Durand was like great as the val- um, the, val- the villain um, there was uh, like a bit of charisma to this villain as well he was intriguing mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. watch when he was on screen um wasn't entirely one note and there is something um you know i think we'll get into it that the, the whole like is he isn't he a truly bad guy i think it got a, a little messy towards the yeah. end yeah that was nice i also the like the head marshal was um from designated survivor don't know the actor's name i liked him in that but it did strike me that if you wanted to be a human in this film there were two main things you had to have to get past casting one was you had to be male because only one woman made it into the film, which is, I think, a thing we've noticed before with Nicolas Cage films, or films in general. And the other thing was you apparently had to have facial hair. There was a lot of facial hair going on in this. Mm -hmm. Cage had had a decent five o'clock shadow going on. Um, 
he was and his hair either went to it was either slicked back when he was sitting down or it was all over the place when he was getting beaten up and screaming as you'd um, expect <laughs> the two extremes of his hair in this um but I, I did i did like um did very much like um Loughlin. kevin durand one of those actors and um i guess not to sound like disrespectful or anything but one of those you recognize him from a lot of stuff but you can't place him I didn't. I did have that. I thought he was the guy who was in Star Wars Rogue One that was blind. I know who you're on about, but I think isn't that person just a different, different ethnicity altogether? Probably, which, <laughs> which shows a lot about a how often I get to the cinema and b how easily I confuse people. Um, he hummed well, though. Maybe that's where I'm getting confused because the humming. He did some really nice hum in this villain and a lightsaber hums. So there you go. That tentative link <laughs> proves that I'm not a big racist. <laughs> well, the jury is dismissed on this one, Your Honor. I rest my case and shall hop off. <laughs> um, but um, I, a good villain. Um, and I was, I, my I was... racism threw you then, didn't it? It wasn't actual... Oh, sorry, I should rephrase that, not my racism threw you. God, that's not a catchphrase <laughs> I want to get out of um, Pow, my, you've my, been thrown my by my racism. <laughs> oh, look out, it's the racist. He's always confusing people with it. No, um, I don't want that as a... Christ, I don't want you on the fifth appearance to <laughs> introduce me as, you know, poker player, comedian, and the racist. No, that's not what we want. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, so... Yeah, he's. I thought it was the same guy, but it wasn't. If any lawyers are listening, <laughs> <laughs> it was an easy, easy mistake. He's a good villain, then. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of liked. Um, I think this is when they introduced the U.S. attorney, and they introduced um, it was uh, Doctor Lieutenant Ellen Taylor, who was a neurologist and Navy lieutenant. Uh, paid mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, Funky Jensen. Um, when they, they've got him in the cage and he's restrained and they're kind of saying, oh, you've got to keep an eye on him at all times. He's known to have seizures. I think they said like they had to take him by boat because if he was at a high altitude, he would have had a seizure or something. Mm. Um, I was kind of thinking there was going to be some more of that kind of uh, neurological aspect of his character come in. or But he has that, I guess, that... I guess it's it seems real, but it might have been a fake seizure, or he can yeah. induce a seizure to escape from the cage that he's in. Yeah, we never find out if that is a real seizure or not, and I don't think that's super important to the plot line. Again, a lot of the time with films like this, they kind of lose themselves in trying to explain, like, oh, here's the law of this, and here's all the stuff you need to know. And then before you know it, you've kind of got to make notes before you figure out what's going on. All that's important here is he's either having a fit or he isn't having a fit, and he bites a guy and shoots someone in the head. Like, there you go. <laughs> And when they were reading off his list of crimes as well, because um, this is when they're kind of saying, "Oh, he was a um, he was a soldier, but then he got into a terrorist cell called I think they said it was the the Hand of God, um, and then he murdered someone, um, and then they're just like he's being arrested for murder and crimes against humanity." And I was like, <laughs> "That could be anything." Mm. Um, I think his backstory seems to be a bit messy because they have the whole film of sort of building up this like, uh, oh, he's he worked for us, but he was a terrorist, and then we captured him, then we tried to bring him in as an anti-terrorist operator, but then who would have thought he turned on us again? 
Um, and then there's the twist later on that the US attorney needs him alive. But then right at the end, he was like, um, oh, it's actually the US that are the bad guys the whole time. And then arrows and bullets happen and it kind of like, it's not important. Uh, yeah, again, it's it's one of those things where, because I thought that scene where the, um, where the I didn't realise it was the US attorney, I obviously wasn't listening at that bit, or I got him mixed up with another white guy. Um, <laughs> he, when he stabbed one of the Marines in the back of the head, I was, that kind of twisted me a bit. I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's a murder. Um, I didn't fully expect, get off. I didn't fully <laughs> Sorry, the cat went for my headphone thing. I wasn't imagining what the Marine would say when he got stabbed in the head. Get out, oh, I'm dead. The famous um, final words of any Marine. <laughs> Imagine if you're being murdered. Murdered? Imagine if you're being murdered by a man called Mervyn and you're being murdered and you just go, get off me, that hurts. Um, yeah, so it was, again, I think that with the seizure thing. We still need for to Sunday, see that Mervyn. <laughs> you want to play shuffleboard? Oh, you got me. Um I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think it matters. That's the thing with a lot of these films, doesn't it? It, it, it don't really matter. So it's it, the main thing is you get your scenes where the cats are in it. There's shooting and bang bang. I think that is the main thing: the shooting and the bang bang. Um, and th- this was kind of the scene where they were explaining it to Frank. They were kind of that those two. Well, I say groups. It's Frank and the marshal sat down for a, for a light luncheon aboard the uh, the freighter Mimer. Um and they're explaining this to them. Because even with Frank as well, it's like they, they keep introducing new bits to his character that help him become more relevant as the plot develops. So we know mm. he's a big game hunter. And then later he said he'd worked for eight zoos in ten years. And then he says he served in the army for four years. And in that time he was also a mechanic as well. Yeah. Um, so he's and, he's... and then he said that he'd once... Um... <laughs> then he said that he'd once been on a ship where there was a uh, fugitive who was under the protection of the U.S. Marshals, and basically the exact plot to the film. <laughs> He's worn a lot of hats. I've had his mm. finger in many, many a pastry, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Um, and when the Rick... And this is one of the moments in this scene as well where um, um, Frank does get a lot of <laughs> just quite funny lines, and they're explaining this all of this to him, and his line is, um, I just spent 10 months in the jungle and this smells like cat shit to me. <laughs> that was a great line. I just good... spent 10 months in the jungle, this smells like cat shit. There's, there's a, a lot of like good quality uh, cage lines in this. And it's one of these things, I don't know if the script was... Uh, it's one of these kind of things with the films like this that you don't always know if the film was written to be funny or just lean into as we said earlier a bit more of the absurdist kind of stuff which it, it kind of it dabbles dabbles its pour in um this was written by richard uh leader leader um who wrote mostly tv movies since 1995 uh with primal being his first feature um and i saw that it's uh the producer for this dan grodnick he optioned for this to be made in 1995 um, it took 22 years for them to finally pull the trigger on this one. That's interesting that it took... So, I wonder I wonder why it got rejected so many times. You can find that, though, with some films, that um, the script is just on a producer's desk in Hollywood for years and years and years, getting passed around and passed around and passed around. And so I kind of imagine as well, and 
I'm sure obviously the script has been touched up over the years and whatever, but if this was a kind of film that came out in 95, whether Cage would have been in it or not, because he was quite mm. big at that point, mm. um, I sort of look at this now and I can think there are a lot of B-movie elements to this film. Um, and it is definitely a film I think wouldn't have been out of place of a lot of stuff that came out in the 90s. No, this would have been in cinemas in the 90s, but it would have been interesting to see how bad the CGI tiger was because you basically, you couldn't have done like a Jurassic Park level tiger. Um, maybe it would have been a cartoon. No, I don't know. It's, yeah, oh God, imagine. I mean, a lot of Nick's films and a lot of films in general, if you like imagine what they would have been like in the 90s, they would have been quite ridiculous. Probably would have had Jerry Seinfeld in the role of Frank. No, no, he would have played, um, he would have played the parrot. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld as the parrot. Um, I think if we're thinking about the CGI, it would have been the level of, um, well, the, uh, Sid's dog in the first Toy Story film before Pixar could properly animate animals, and he had, if you remember in the first Toy Story film, the dog had gigantic eyes. Oh, yes, yeah, I do know, yeah. When you started that reference, I was like, I mean, who who gets this reference? But... <laughs> I got this reference. Exactly. Very long time since I've seen that, but yeah, it probably would have big eyes. Did you like the filming technique they did when it was like from the eyes of the tiger? Dun, 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 and then dun, did you dun. like the the thrill of the ensuing fight as well? No. Um... <laughs> I like the part where the where the tiger, where the jaguar ran up the stairs of Philadelphia in a grey tracksuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a great image that I've got going on. No, yeah, when it was actually shot, when it looked like it was the tiger looking. Yeah, you think that, that was underused, overused? I, d- I didn't mind it. It, it. it didn't. I wouldn't dock any points for it. I think it was nice to have um, Jag Cam, uh, the black and white uh, sort of filter. But in some ways, as well, though, I almost feel like we didn't see enough of the Jaguar. Mm, yeah, that's true. It was just like a looming threat the entire time. Yeah, it's like a big song and dance about the Jaguar at the start, and he, um, uh, Frank reiterates how valuable this Jaguar is. And then it's kind of just blink and you'll miss it. Here I am, running past in the background. I mean, the voice you've given it and the fact you said a big song and dance, I'm now imagining, imagining Primal the Musical. And that's a very different show. <laughs> We're all going to die on this boat. <laughs> I've been stabbed in the neck, oh Marvin, like that kind of thing. <laughs> Monkey in the kitchen, eating my face, <laughs> eating my face. Oh no, the knives are all over the place. Like, I think we could get this written. <laughs> Don't touch the monkeys, babies. Um... <laughs> what part's that? Don't, it's like a click gang. Don't touch the monkeys, baby. Your eye's gonna have no skin to be near. <laughs> Don't touch the monkeys, babies. Ooh, the snake's just got up my... Yeah, it would be a, um, <laughs> an interesting way to do it. Well, there's that bit where um, he's... Frank's showing that the boy, Raphael, um, he's... he's well, I don't know if it's a collection, but all the animals that he's got in holding. And Raphael... And I will say the boy, absolutely useless. All he does yeah, is Oh, yeah, I mean, the film is captured. like... Yeah, the film's like 45 minutes shorter if that prick doesn't walk in. Oh, get... my dad's been bitten. Yeah, get over it. You've made this whole film, like, so much fucking longer. I could have watched that so quickly in 1.5x speed if that guy wasn't in it. <laughs> the the boy's just like, oh, why is, why is the monkey, like, pigeon chesting me, peacocking me? 
And he's like, oh, it's um, protecting its young. And then this is after Loeffler has escaped. Um, they said they've got to get... They've got the chef out to go to the kitchen for some reason. I missed why that was. Yeah, obviously the bit with the kid is so we know that you shouldn't mess with the monkey's babies, which is a good, a good lesson for life anyway. Um, but then, yeah, why is he going to the kitchen again? I'm not sure if it was if there was some kind of medical supply there, or if he had to go and get some some food rations or he's something. Just a bit peckish, yeah. <laughs> well, he's escorted by one of the U.S. Marshals who's got that uh, machine gun. And then he just runs past him, locks him out of the kitchen, and then the monkeys are in there. Mm. Um, and then the guys went, oh, there's a, there's a bunch of monkeys in the kitchen. And Frank's like, whatever you do, don't touch the baby. What does the chef do? Double hands it and goes, hey! You should um, never double hand a baby monkey. You never double hand a baby monkey. You should never... A good motto for life is to never double hand a baby anything. Yeah, unless, um, unless it's a baby potato. It's a baby cat in a onesie. Um, well, I mean, never double. That was single-handed. Then don't go for the headphones. Out of context. What are you doing, you little fuck? Uh, just like the film, Shannon is being attacked by a cat as we speak. She's the right colour, isn't she? We could, uh, you know, got the the, the right colour of white little toe beans there. Mm. Um, but I think one of the first hilarious, I think truly hilarious moments of the film. The chef is absolutely mauled and torn to shreds well, by, class, the, by the monkeys, which is just absolutely grand stuff. Um, very, my notes here were just, chef mauled to death, very, very funny. Yeah, I made a note saying that in 1.5x speed, which we've already covered. Just You really feel like they had the license to go like, right, like that actor was... That would have been the audition, like that scene... It's not going to be the scene where he has to serve someone and they want more food. And he's like, no, it's going to be the scene where he has to mimic CGI monkeys ripping the skin from his skull. <laughs> well, I think what were the okay. other bits that really made you howl laughing then, other than, you know, brutal murder? Well, there was a lot of good... A lot of it was sort of dialogue-based. I mean, the murder, very, very good, very, very funny. Um, Sorry, which murder? Uh, well, there was the U.S. Marshal gets attacked by the White Jag, um, and then yeah, yeah. And it, was, it, it wasn't just the Jag part, but there's something about in scenes like this where it's like a scared soldier with a gun who's just like firing rounds, going ah, mm. just aiming at nothing. Got a real soft spot for that. Always gets a, a rise out of me. It's got a rise, nice. It's quite a Hollywood classic scene, but the idea that that arises you. Um, arises you? I meant to say arouses, but I heard the word rise too much. The idea that you stand in more ways than one when that scene occurs. <laughs> Enough for the first time. <laughs> um, there was a scene. It's it just after uh, Frank has been drinking with some of the uh, like the deckhands who work in the bowels of the ship with the engines and all that uh, mm. stuff down there, and then he's quite drunk, um, and he's talking with Ellen and he's telling about all the zoos that he's worked at. And he says something like, um, and it, it's almost Trump-ish, the way he delivers this line. It's like, I used to work at the San Diego Zoo. Great pandas. <laughs> <laughs> Great pandas. Orangutans knew what they were doing. And some, I imagine, are nice people. <laughs> there, are, there are bad monkeys on both sides. Yeah. Um, if we <laughs> recast Primal with Donald Trump in the role of Frank Walsh. I'd watch that. 
I'd watch that just for, yeah, it'd be amazing. We got this parrot here, regular Einstein, great Einstein, I knew Einstein, great guy, gravity. Great guy. And, uh, you know, he's going to try drinking some bleach later. We'll be there for that. <laughs> I once touched a monkey's baby, had a great relationship <laughs> with that monkey's baby. Great <laughs> and they barely ripped any skin off my face. <laughs> Um, why? Why else was there? There was there was one afterwards as well because the, there's that. Um, I think obviously Loffler's been going around and sabotaging the ship, mm. um, and he plots that new course to go back to Puerto Rico. I don't know where it is. He's actually aiming to take the ship back to. I don't think they never really say. No, again, it's another plot hole we don't need to know about. But also, you kind of feel like he's just happy to be out. You know, he's just doing a bit of a jolly kind of. Yeah, we'll go here. We'll go here. Whatever. He just wanted his can of Coke. Yeah, that's all this came from. <laughs> he got him back, didn't he? He did a murder. He drank all the water on the ship because he was very thirsty. Yeah. Um, but they, they make a point of there being like, oh, the, the, the taps aren't working, there's no water on the ship. And I thought that was going to come into it a, a, a bit more. He doesn't really. Um, well, it's just the they, fact that there's no water, so they have to get that working, otherwise they'll probably die kind of thing. Yeah, boring. I think it's, yeah, it's, true. It's... <laughs> It's someone dying of dehydration isn't as interesting as someone getting mauled to death, is it really? I mean, and let's be honest, it isn't. Um, but I, I think this is a bit where um, I think Frank's hunting down the jag because he also mentions, and this is like another little thing I thought was going to come into it a bit more. Um, he says he's got like the tracking device on the jag and he's got that little uh, like device that can show you where the jag is. The beep beep, yeah. The beep beep device, and I thought that was going to come into it a bit more, and almost a kind of like, like alien, like the movie Alien sense of like, oh, the oh, jag yeah, could where the be, tracker, yeah, 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 like like the jag could be anywhere on the ship, and there's going to be like, a, or, boop, 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 boop. yeah, 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 or like a second one starts going off, <laughs> and you're like, oh god, the jag's duplicating. The twist, it's Noah's Ark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> What do you mean? There's a second woman in this film. I did. I think that was quite like you. You knew when it was going to kick off when she got called to the cage. You know when he'd broken out and she the, didn't the have a jacket cage with and her. Not the actor. Well, I was thinking this the whole way through when you're saying like that the villain is trapped inside cage. I was like, that's a very different film. Um, but when she gets, don't choke on it. When she <laughs> it was also in the film that it was. When she has to run and break him out of the seizure kind of thing, don't lick my arm. Um, the She doesn't have a jacket on. She just has a white T-shirt. And at that point, you're like, right, something's going to happen now where she has to stay in that for the rest of the film. Because that is how women in films are portrayed. They can't wear jackets if they have a chest. I, I dare you to find me one film where a woman wears a jacket. You can't Where's that it. pullover? Hollywood, the pullover. That's the film that should really be happening soon. <laughs> pull over the movie. Uh, you've been pulled over for not wearing a pullover. Very, yeah, yeah, very it's literal. a very, it's a, it's a very short film. Nicholas Cage is in it. He plays the boot. <laughs> he's he's got range, and by the time this episode comes out, we're, we're ninety deep into this thing. It's um, been lot. It's, you've done a lot of episodes of this, haven't you? How many is there going to be? Is there going to be a hundred? Um. I think we might tick over the hundred mark when the, the at the point of recording we've still got like four films that are ready to come out: *Unbearable Weight of Massive mm. Talent*, *Retirement Plan*, *The Old Way*, 
Butcher's Crossing and Renfield is out next year, 2023. The, the names of these films sound like you've put them to, together in like some kind of generator thing where you have to say the day of your birth and the year of your birth or something, and then it goes, this is your Nicolas Cage film. There's a thing you can make quite easily. <laughs> well, Renfield's got a lot of people talking. He's going to be playing Dracula. Oh, I think I've seen an image for this. Yeah, it looks interesting. That's going to be interesting. That's got an uh, old Nicholas Holt in it as well. It's got two oh, okay. westerns. Two westerns coming out. Two. Oh. He's not done a western before. Uh, these are, well, so now he's now he's into it. He wants to do several westerns. Uh, I think he's just still pushed himself to do new things. He did a near a sort of neo western in the nineties called Red Rock West, which is actually very good, but no one's seen the film. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's done like a, a full-on sci-fi yet, but he has said when he was promoting the unbearable weight of massive talent at South by Southwest in 2022, this year of recording, um, he really wants to play Captain Nemo because he wants to do a, he wants to do like a true proper film at sea, um, and he's he said he would be interested in doing a musical as well. Well, I mean, why doesn't he combine them both? We've been saying Primal could be a musical, and Captain Nemo is basically. Primal, but you know, with less Jaguars. So, if he did a sequel to this, it could easily be Primal Nemo. Let's sing for our supper. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason why all the cast can't be replaced with cats, except for Nick Cage. And he also plays all the cast. <laughs> all the cast of cats. Um, I watch that. I was thinking as well, obviously, I think, you know, for the listener, and if we have or haven't talked about it before, you yourself are a big fan of the Humble Cat, household or otherwise, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Um, you are you are flanked by a cat frequently in our recordings together, as am I. Um, there was, I was looking up some interviews for this, and Cage did a few interviews for this, he was promoting it in 2019. And he's a well-known collector of oddities, and he's an animal lover in real life. He's had... Um, he's got a crow called Hugin who calls him an asshole. He's had a two-headed snake at one point. Uh, he's got a, a, a Maine Coon cat who he's a big fan of. He says it's his best friend. Um, and someone interviewed him, basically, if any of these experiences came to fruition in this role and in the formation of the character. And it was in, and I'm going to read this this quote he gave, word for word, no deviation. Verbatim. Verbatim. Um, and it's an incredibly cage answer. So he said, I remember once when I was a child, I was attacked by a black cat. Just one at me. I was walking home and this cat came out of nowhere and it was terrifying. Of course, this was a small cat. I was probably eight years old. But I definitely thought about that in my imagination when we were being confronted by the jag in this movie, trying to recall those memories. So... You rewatch this film and just imagine that he's he's confronted by a giant white jaguar, but he's thinking about a small black cat. I mean, this reminds me of. Do you know the? I guess it started as an Instagram account, but something called Owl Kitty. Owl Kitty, no. So basically, it's um, I don't know the name of the cat. I think it's America, um, but it could be Australia. Any of the A's, maybe Algeria. This guy basically green screens and superimposes his cat, which is a black cat, into movies. So he has it as like Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic. You know, when he turns around on the stairs, it's the cat. Or in Jurassic Park, when it's the scene with the water cup shaking, it's the cat. It's really worth checking out. And now I'm thinking of that cat chasing Nicolas Cage in this film. (laughs) 
maybe, well, maybe you know. Obviously, sometimes they do um, for like CG in the very like the Andy Circus sense. Like they'll have the the actor for <laughs> reference in the suit with like the white balls on them. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the <laughs> just a small black cat with like a white ball on his on his head on his God, tail. I love the idea of that. Um, there's just there's a professional motion captured cat in Hollywood that does all the big films. Oh, what, what's that? Yeah, we've got to get Brian for this job. <laughs> we've got to get the, the notorious CAT in for this in for this one. I like it, the notorious CAT. Yeah, it's interesting. You think of how many films he's done and how many have actually got cats in. Maybe he's maybe this was the thing he overcame his fear. <laughs> he had to do this film to overcome his overcome that trauma of fifty years prior. I mean, speaking of trauma, um, quite a tenuous link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as we, I mean, as you say, this is this is my fourth time on this. So um, I've got a question for you, actually. Oh, right, you, you, re- are you ready? Okay. Um, so what do you think I have in common with a 50-year-old married couple and a baker? <laughs> um, th- th- is this in somehow like linking to the film where we're like, oh, actually... That's right, this- Daryl. <laughs> I don't like things to get stale. So. (laughs) All right, I'll allow it. I've come up with um, a little quiz for you that I've named Nick or Not for Glory. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't say it without laughing. Nick or Not for Glory is what I've called it. If you say it fast, it sounds like Nick or Not for Glory. That's Nick or Not for Glory. That's how it works. Um, are you ready to play it? Oh, I guess I don't have a choice. Shall we yeah. start? Now, it's very simple. Um, it's Nick or not for glory. So I'm going to read you a quote, and you have to tell me whether Nicolas Cage said this in this film or not. Right. Okay. Okay. And there is glory up for grabs. That's how it works. <laughs> and I do but glory. because I'm still in Germany, there's a slight twist to this. Okay, I watched this in English with German subtitles. So I will be reading you the German subtitles <laughs> of the quote in the film, okay? Um, right. Interesting twist 90 episodes yeah. in. Let's of course. And it's so for this, we won't call it Nick or Not for Glory. We'll call it Sprechen Sie Nicholas mit Primal Jahr oder Nein Super Funf Challenge Spiel Wunderbar Mega Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay with you? I got a C in GCSE German. Haven't spoken it for fifteen years, but I'm well, ready. Yeah. I'm primed. Spre- Sprechen ein bisschen. Here we go. Um, so your first one. Hallo Herrlich. I'm going to say yes. Nick, that is yes. Do you know what Herrlich means? Um, he's consumed a wig. No, I mean, he actually said this in the film. So he hasn't said, hello, I've consumed a wig. That's not what it means. It means gorgeous. So at the start of the film, he says, hello, gorgeous, to the Jaguar, doesn't he? So, yes, he does. Hello, Hernick. So there you go. That's, you've got one Nick so far. You're doing well. Okay, uh, let's try this next one. Ekratze an der Tür. Sorry. Ekratze an der Tür. Ekratze an der Tür. An der Tür. Tür. There's an umlaut over the U in tour. Ekratz and de tour. Oh, God. I'm just trying to think what these word, words mean. Mm. 
I think two of them might have been the and und is and. Um, I'm 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 going to go not Nick. It's not Nick. Do you have any idea what this might this phrase might mean? Ekrats um, and detour. He's scratching at the door. That's what that phrase oh. means. So it wasn't in this film, but it is something that Nicholas has said before. Okay, we'll move on to uh, dry. Um, we'll go for this one. Ihr hier zum klopfen. Ihr hier zum klopfen. Ihr hier zum klopfen. Ihr hier zum klopfen. Klopfen. I'm gonna lean Nick. Nick, you, I mean, you're three for three at the minute. I, I've got to imagine this is guessing rather than actually, you know, remembering some German from your classes. What do you think it is? Ihr Herr Zumklopfen. The cat is fast. Uh, it's, I make your heart beat. Yes, he, he says it to, uh, to old Ellen. When a lovely little exchange, a lovely little flirty exchange he does. Um, let's try this one. Schlange, 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 Landverleig. <laughs> Schlange, 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 Langverleig. Landverleig, really. Schlange, Schlange, Schlang, Landverleig. Schlange, Schlange, Schlange. I don't think. Would that have been. Schlang. Hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think what what would schlang mean. Nick or not, Daryl, Nick or not. Uh, I think this is when the streak goes. I'm gonna Ah uh, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Nick. It's not Oh, oh it's it, it's cruel this one because schlang means snake. So what I actually said was snake, 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 boring. So <laughs> It was a bit of a crew on there, but you're still you're still on three out of four. So the last one, and you are still playing for glory. So you know, the last one, Schlangen die Katze, Schlangen die Katze. Similar because Schlang is snake, but Schlangen die Katze. Snake cat. No, cat Schlangen snake. and Schlang are two different words. This is German, Daryl where they put one letter and it changes everything. It's the worst thing to learn in the world. <laughs> Schlangen die Katze. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Nick. It's not. I'm oh. sorry. I've got you again there because die Katze is the cat, but the phrase Schlangen die Katze means slap the cat. <laughs> so, <laughs> unfortunately, they didn't say slap the cat in this film at any point, but you did get three out of five. So you have been successful playing Nick or Not for Glory or Sprechen Sie Nicholas mit Primal Jahr oder Nien Super 5 Challenge Spiel Wunderbar Mega Cage. Well done to you, sir. Oh, that was fun. Look at that. A little, a little interim cage. German change. Uh, I can't See, you can't I even can't... talk anymore. You're so happy you won some glory. I've I've been schlanged, I think, is what's happened yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been absolutely schlanged. I got a bit of glory. That was nice. That's a nice bit of glory there. Always nice to have some glory, morning or otherwise. <laughs> morning, afternoon, evening, and night glory. Um, now, I suppose you do know what morning glory means, don't you, Dad? I was being very rude. I I know what morning glory is. I've 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 been a lad, 
um, <clears throat> and also um, a, a male with whatever the German is for penis. Um, dash, Slang. Dash land. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll tell you someone who didn't have glory though, who deserved it. Uh, Jerome, this was, Oh, what a scene. I was thinking about another scene that made me laugh. And this is when all the shippers decided we're going to chip in and try and help capture this assassin. Mm. Um, when I can't forget his name, there's another guy who sort of lures Loughler down. Uh, the boatman, the older boatman. The older boatman. And then he, Jerome, <laughs> jumps from a high perch, like Batman, who's just been waiting in the rafters. Mm. And then he screamed up with the encouragement, come on, Jerome, fuck him up. A minute <laughs> later, his neck is snapped. Yeah, it was kind of like you had more chance with the monkey mothers, Jerome. Like, Yeah. I think... I, I, he just didn't, he didn't stand much of a chance, really, did he? There wasn't much of a chance there. Um, which I... I thought Jerome might have had. He seemed to have a good innings. It seemed he had that giant wrench. He seemed like he might have got a few licks in. Um, but as we know, even in Frank's case as well, who Frank gets beaten up at least twice in this film. I think mm. it's, um, he just can't beat an assassin. Sometimes um, the only thing that can beat an assassin is a jungle assassin. The, what what beats an assassin? It's a man who watches cats for ten days before tranking them. That was that was what the U.S. Marshals couldn't truly have counted on. No, exactly. I think, um, and at this point, he's—I mean, Loffler's killed most of the crew of this boat. He's killed all the U.S. Marshals. Um, I know that they try to um, set a trap for him because there's this whole back and forth thing with Frank of like, is he a good man? Is he not? I'm no good, but I can hunt. Is, is one of his lines. Um, the stupid boy's been taken hostage at this point because that bit they're on the top of the ship and Loffler's shooting at them, and the boy just <laughs> the, the boy just stands there. Yeah, but Daryl, the boy's father has been bitten by a snake. He's scared. He, no, he's a stupid boy. You're right. You should just push him overboard. Get on with the film. Yeah, if the monkeys had taken the boy and not the chef, then I think I would have um, much preferred that outcome of events. There'd have been more food, wouldn't there, as well? It would have been more food for everyone in there. Uh, and then he, he he says, we're going to use Ellen as bait. He's like, oh, just, he's got a giant crossbow. He's like, just trust me that I'm, that I'm going to be there to have you back. And then that was the whole, um, Loffler's got a gun to Ellen's head. Frank's got a crossbow to Loffler. Freed the US Attorney's got a gun to Frank, who's got the crossbow. Um... And I was like, well, here we fucking go. Like, I said, at least shoot the boy. He's been nothing but a hindrance all film. <laughs> at least shoot the boy is such a good sentence. At least shoot the boy. He's been a hindrance all film. Um, and this is what we were saying earlier about sort of the clunky, weird, what the hell is going on with Loffler thing. He's like, oh, actually, mm. no, I'm, I'm, this is all the army's fault. And then the attorney gets shot. Loffler takes an arrow into his arm. Um, and then I think this is like Loffler versus Frank part two or three in the animal cage because the first time uh, Frank gets knocked out mm-hmm. but there was some quite and the person who directed this is very well known in the stunt community this is Nick Powell who's been in TV and film doing stunts since the late 80s okay. um, 
He's done stunts on the likes of Goldeneye, Judge Dredd, and two episodes of Only Fools and Horses. Of course he has. Was he the infamous falling through the bar scene? Um, he, he did stunt as the bar um, <laughs> in that one. And you had seen him before. Uh, a five-time Taurus World Stunt Award winner. Um, so I, mean, I think a lot of this film has shot fairly well. I think some of the fight scenes, I think some of the, the hits seemed a bit soft. Um, if that makes sense, but I wouldn't know how to grade it. But I, I bow to your judgment. <laughs> but what I did like was the compensation from Cage of aggressively screaming every time he missed a go, like a little brush to the cheek. Wow! <laughs> uh, he he definitely gave it a lot in the fight scenes, which I I, I rightly enjoyed. Um, but then I liked it. I liked at the end, we were talking about blow darts earlier. I liked that Cage was quite clearly hiding behind a wall of barrels. <laughs> Just kept blow darting Loffler. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, did you enjoy the final fight scene? Uh, blow darts, traps, knives? I mean, I thought that the fact that he kept going back to kind of be like, I mean, I'm miming on a podcast, it's not great. But when he was loading up the... Um... Uh, the poison. I thought that was quite funny. How he kept kind of going back and forth and going like, duh, 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 like loading it up, and I'm going to definitely do this. And then where his legs gave way, I mean, it, you kind of know it's going to happen, but I mean, you you know it's going to culminate in that scene anyway. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it fit with the rest of the film, which is ultimately kind of almost all you can ask for. Yeah, I I, I liked the culmination of the film. I liked that the the white jag comes back into it. <laughs> there was more lines here that I enjoyed because the the effects of the sedative are starting to like weigh in on Loffler. Um, yeah, and he's getting weaker. And Frank's like, "You got hit hard, a little harder than that, you pussy." And then he says, "I can't seem to feel my legs." And to which Frank replies, "I can't seem to give a shit." Um, you that bit. That's amazing. I can't seem to give a shit. I thought that was just that was really really good. Uh, and then he's caught in that like snare. And uh, like, oh, the whole thing with this this sedative is that it paralyzes you, but you're still conscious. Uh, and then he's he's gnawed upon by the old white jag. Um, and they've said the fact that I think they said they can only use dental records to identify Loffler because he was just absolutely devoured. Um, which I which I, I greatly enjoyed. And then they're all saved by the U.S. Coast Guard. The boy and his dad live. Um, that kind of down that that loses points for me that the boy lived. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I thought he might have like fallen overboard or something, or the, <laughs> the coast guard helicopter would have just nudged him. Just taking his face off. Taking his face off. Um, and it's all kind of quite neatly wrapped up at the end. So Lieutenant Taylor covers for Frank said, "Yep, the paperwork's definitely fine. Don't worry about these legal animals. <laughs> Move on." My Jackie has got a gun. Don't worry about it. <laughs> My white jag has an aspiring career in tap, and you're not going to take that from him. Um, and then I think he says, Frank's like, um, he gets Taylor's business card and says, like, in case you want a psychiatric evaluation, call me, hun. Um, and Frank, he says he's donating the white jag to a, san- a sanctuary in Kenya for free because now he's a very good man. Um, well, I'm making amends, I am. He's making amends. Um, I think with the message at the end that man is the real killer animal and uh, he, he French kisses the parrot as the film closes. Yeah, did you think there, there would be a kiss at the end? Do you think it takes away the fact that he didn't, you know, French the cat? No, no, the woman, <laughs> all jokes aside. 
Or do you think that's just... It made a nice change that they didn't do a kiss to finish the film. What do you think? I think I was I was sort of anticipating there'd be some kind of romantic interest because it kind of felt that this is where it might go because, like, oh, we're so different, but we're also the same. I but... knew your father, who's still alive or something. <laughs> your father would have made a great panda, whatever it was that they said. <laughs> I liked that they didn't do it. I liked that Ellen had her own autonomy. Um even though I kind of wish there was more to her character, because I sort of that we've not really talked about it, because she kind of did. Oh, I'm a neurologist. Um, also, mm. I'm I'm kind of here as backup now. I'm caught. I did like the line when the boy got caught. About two or three times, she said, "Oh, they've got Raffi. <laughs> He's got Raffi. They've got Raffi, a character who the audience does not care about." <laughs> did she? Did she hold a gun at any point in this? I'm sh- she definitely does in the poster. That's um, why I'm confused, because when I saw the poster, when you tweeted something earlier, I was like, no, she doesn't hold a gun at any point in this, I'm sure. I'm trying to think. She... Right, let's watch it again. <laughs> right, that's it. We're watching it again. 1.5x speed, slow motion. Might have had one, but if she did, I don't believe it was ever used. No, it was towards the end. She held it up and she went, this is for the poster, bitch. <laughs> probably didn't happen yeah I think she held up she was held at gunpoint again by the parrot and had a venomous snake set upon her those um, snakes they've always got to get snakes in these films haven't they what is a film without a snake <laughs> um, that, that's what I say down the allotments that's what we say down the allotments these days but, but I can't I, believe they still let you down there <laughs> after all you've done uh but this film, looking at some of the reviews, 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. They said, chiefly of interest to Nicolas Cage completionists and hardcore B-movie fans, this action thriller suffers from an unfortunate lack of primal energy. Um, I think, think that's it's... super cruel. I mean, personally, I think all films should be 90 minutes long, max. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm the 1.5x binger, which means I can watch it in an hour. But I think... A lot of the time, again, I haven't watched Schneider yet, but they just kind of go on and on and on and on. So this film, to me, it just, it just worked so well. I don't see why everyone seems to have disliked it, really. Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit harsh. I think, it, you know, and this is if you, you take um, Rotten Tomato scores into account, probably would have given it a little higher myself. I found it a bit cheesy in places, some obvious CGI in others. But I enjoyed it for the 90-minute runtime. And as I said before, in comparison to a number of um, straight-to-video cage films, this is up there as a surprisingly enjoyable film. I think if you mm. go into it, don't really expect anything. There's a lot to enjoy. There's some <laughs> there's some good laughs in there. People <laughs> some great scenes. Faces ripped off by monkeys. Um, I sent a little tweet before recording saying, oh, if anyone's seen the film, let me know your thoughts. Uh Previous guest, Mike West, um, he said, enjoyed it. A more human and flawed Cage character that isn't afraid to show himself getting kicked around. Durand is a joy to watch chewing the scenery. Their interactions make the CGI and Fanky's character forgivable. Um, we had uh, B. Jermaine, a previous guest. Uh, watchable, if average, would be better if it was exactly as promised. Nick Cage fighting a big cat <laughs> on a boat. Um, we, 
another from uh, Marco Manon saying it's as close to Cage playing Joe Exotic as we'll ever get. That they're now cancelled. That's, that's so true. Hollywood's greatest what if. Um, we also, I also got one. I said, oh, if you've, if you've seen the film, let me know your thoughts. Someone replied, and I quote, weak. Um, <laughs> I mean, we don't know what they're comparing it to, but I mean, maybe I, it was weak. Maybe they found it weak. I didn't want to expand on it because I thought that was just, you know, a very funny summation of their time it's with the film. Very powerful. Um, but I think as we come to the end of this episode, another very enjoyable instalment, if I do say so myself, as my cat next to me has started licking his spread toes. Um, <laughs> a, a perfect, a perfect way to come down the mountain here. Uh, what are your final thoughts on 2019's Primal? Well, I think it was a film. It was a film with Nicolas Cage. Technically correct. And a cat. And it was a film that I would watch again, but not with anyone I care about. <laughs> you wouldn't put anyone else through watching it, but you would watch it again. Yeah, if I had a bit of time to kill, um, I, w- I would recommend it to people. If people said to me, obviously, oh, the Nicolas Cage films, I'd point them in the direction of your podcast, obviously. And I would list this as this is one of the ones that I'd I'd be like, yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it. It's a good laugh. It's, a, it's probably a good... Um, as you know, I don't partake in the beverage anymore. But it's probably a good drinking game film. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's definite scope to make some rules, some rules with this one. And I think if I was going to watch it again, that there would you have would to need be... a drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there would. Ha- I, I did. I did make myself a rum and coke for this film. Um, it's <laughs> there was just something about this film. Five minutes in, I was like, I think I'm going to need a drink for this, and I was <laughs> not mistaken. We're going to need backup. We are going to need backup, and backup is what I is what I went and found. Um, but yes, it's. I think it's uh, the primal time to sort of wrap up this episode uh, for the fourth time. We thank you, uh, Ben Shannon. I said earlier, like I'd forgotten your name. I've known you a long time. I know your name, uh, hey, Jeremiah. It's fine. Shannon. Don't worry. Sometimes I sometimes I forget my own name. It's a very easy thing to do. And of course, I have my alter ego, Len Bannon, who occasionally um, creeps. Creeps through the facade, so don't worry about it, Errol Dedge. Um, as we come to an end of the episode, uh, we thank you again for joining for the fourth instalment of this ridiculousness I call a podcast. Uh, and for the listeners, uh, where can we find you on then their socials and such things? Uh, same as always. Yeah, thank you very much for having me as always. But yeah, I'm just on the Twitter at Ben Shabber, Instagram Ben Shannon Comedy. Uh, Earth, Germany, soon to be not Germany. And yeah, I've still got to water that plant. I've just looked at it again. But I mean, people can't help me with that. So, some uh, animal infested freighters, we must journey ourselves. <laughs> and our journey has come to an end this week. So, as ever, to you, the dear listener, I thank you for listening, if you have been. And as always, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you, and take care, and a goodbye. Schlange, 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 Landverleig. <laughs>